Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, here we are another Saturday morning, ready to speak the truth of God and just speak as led by the Spirit. Sean is a little chilly out this morning. Uh, a little more chilly for you than me because you drove here instead of me going out in it. But how are you today? I'm good. It has that, what we would call that little kind of chill that it's not going to snow here, but has that real kind of cool to the air. And I'm a person that from programming from a young kid wearing shorts, because that's what my dad did all the time and, you know, attempting to be tough and everything. And then, like I told you, it gets to that point where no need to be tough. Just if you're cold then wear the long pants, but, but if I'm inside, the shorts will come back out. But anyway, no, I'm doing well this morning. How are you doing? Doing well as well. Well as well. <laughs> um, This is what we're going to talk about today again, just another, there's nothing that we talk about that is more important than something else and better than something else. It's just different avenues and different aspects of the truth. And we've talked about prayer before. Um, and this is, this is really going to, uh, speak to prayer, but it's also going to speak to your faith and, the aspect that we've talked about uh, here recently about knowing your faith uh, and the importance of it, and that plays into what we're going to speak about this morning as well. With this aspect of ask, seek, and knock, you know, this is something that I've seen for a long time in the world where people will wait until tragedy happens or until an illness happens to have communication or try to have communication with God. And having that communication with God we have to recognize that God does not just listen to everybody. Now, God hears everybody, but God does not just listen to everybody. We have the story where Nicodemus went to Messiah at night, and he said, we know you're from God, for God does not hear sinners. And what he was saying was God does not listen to sinners. He wasn't saying he couldn't hear them because we know from the Old Testament that God heard the outcry of the people. But 
you have to be in a position with God in this seeking aspect in order for God to listen to you. And in that concept is if you're a sinner and you're not truly seeking God with all of your heart, then God's not going to listen to you. That There's things that we have to do in order to line ourselves up with the reality and the truth of God. And in order to have that uh, communication where God hears you, where God is listening to you and that listening, God is listening to understand and then to lend you a helping hand. But if you're not in a position where you've turned your life over to them, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to hear you. It's like if you're in a restaurant with your wife and you're having conversations, you hear and you listen to what she's saying, but there's a lot of other conversations that are going on that you hear, but you're not listening to. It's just a bunch of murmuring because you're not paying attention to it. Why? Because that's not the one that your your interest is in. And God's interest is in anyone who is seeking them with all of their heart. When somebody truly sets their heart and their mind in the perspective of seeking God with all of their heart, that's when God starts to listen to you. And that's when you have the ability to start the journey of God listening. But it has to be within that aspect, and God will listen to those who are seeking with all of their heart. This is a huge part of the communication aspect with God. Just because there are millions of people in the world in a pretense of praying to God does not mean that God hears them. That, that's the reality. It does not mean that God hears them. Even with the Israelites, when they were not walking in God's ways, when they were not seeking God with all of their heart, the Israelites who sought God with all of their heart, God heard them. God heard their cries. He spoke to them, and he helped them in the journey. We must be in a place where God can listen to us. That God will listen to do what we ask him to do. But even with that, there are guidelines in the midst of it. And it's, it's a shame in faith circles that you see a lot of people professing that they pray to God when, you know, like I talked about, some tragedy, some illness comes along, and they're, all of a sudden they're praying to God for healing of this person. And you'll have some circumstances where somebody starts getting better and everybody's, oh, praise God, because he's getting better and everything's good. And But what about the other side when the other people are doing the same thing you're doing and the healing's not coming for them? We live in a time and a day and an age where the healing 
is not intended to be a physical healing. Now, God can still do miraculous healings if they choose to. But the, the thing they want to heal you from is the eternal illness, the eternal death that is uh, prevalent for everybody who doesn't have faith in God, who, who doesn't seek God with all of their heart to know the reality of the truth of it. And so we also live in a time where the Bible says that miraculous signs are going to be performed by the devil and his angels so that people will be deceived. Now, people who are seeking God with all of their heart, who are the elect, won't be able to be deceived, but many people are being deceived because, well, I prayed and and uh, this person got better. And so, you know, God healed them. God healed them. But you look at their life and you see it doesn't line up with the reality of truth of God. And what miracle is it? They, I mean, the miracle is, is that they still have time, that they've been spared to have time to repent and go through the journey to get to that circumcision of the heart. And they've been spared from eternal burning. But a lot of people don't. They're just, oh, praise God, everything's good. And they don't realize what message are you sending out to the one who had just as many people praying for their, uh, the the person that, that was sick or uh, injured on their side that they didn't receive it that so somehow you're you're greater and better than I am but you're not living the faith neither one is actually living the true the fullness of faith because they haven't walked the journey to discover what it takes to be able to have God listen to you and answer. And even when you are in line with God, even when you are seeking with all of your heart, even when you have circumcision of the heart, there are circumstances and stipulations that still determine whether God's going to answer a prayer or not. And it's important because we do, we live in a world where a lot of people are banking on someone getting healed. We're focused on somebody not dying in this life. And God wants us to be focused on somebody not dying the eternal death. Because everybody, doesn't matter who you are, everybody who lives in this life is going to die a physical death. Now, there will be those we know from Revelation that when they're caught up, they're the death of their body because their body of flesh will be left here and they will depart. So the body has to die. So, yes, physical healing was uh, was and, and can still be done in accordance with the will of God. But the importance of like when Messiah was doing the healing and, and uh, Peter and Paul and James and John, 
the objective was for God just to give more evidence of their existence. But the ultimate goal when Messiah said that you will do greater things than I, the healing that we have the opportunity to lead people in the direction of is spiritual, eternal healing. And when you have the spiritual, eternal healing, then you're, when you have an ailment or you have a tragedy, you're not concerned about whether you're going to live or die. And there are people who have convinced themselves, well, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, so I'm, I'm going to be okay. But when it comes down to pinch time, no, they're not okay. And they, they have those doubts and they, why? Because you have doubt. And we talked about this before, that the faith that we have is intended that you are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there, that you are convinced that means that you're not going to doubt. And it is possible to get to that place. The, the key is that you have to work it out. You have to work out your salvation from seeking God with all of your heart to circumcision of the heart. And then when you get circumcision of the heart, we still have guidelines and stipulations that are in place in order for God to actually answer the prayers in a favorable way for us. Just because you and I have circumcision of the heart doesn't mean that we're going to ask God anything and everything we want to in order to get what we want. The, the, we, in circumcision of the heart, we also have guides and stipulations. And the key factor is, is you want to make it to the point where you know with absolution you have the faith in God, that you have the circumcision of the heart that removes you from not having any sin. That is what gives you the greatest ability for any prayer to be answered from God. But God is not this soft, warm teddy bear, this genie that you get to and you you go to and you just beg and you beg and you beg. I. Uh, in hopes that God will do something rather than we're told that when you ask, believe in your heart. But even with that, there's stipulations and I'll get a little bit more into that or you may when, when you start talking, but um, it is really important that conversational relationship with God is important. It's very important that you're able to hear God's voice as well as them hearing you and uh, you listening to God as well as them listening to you. And you can't just take it for granted that, well, just because I pray, God hears me. And well, no, there's, there's things that you have to do. There's things that you have to line yourself up with in order that God will heal, hear and possibly heal. But just because you ask for something, God may have a better plan, and therefore, we lean not on our own understanding. But we really want to find a place in faith where we have a comfort. It's not a will to die, 
but we have a comfort with the fact that when I do go, I'm going to be okay. Oh, I, honestly, I want to live a long life in this world just to be able to do as much as I can for God. And I want other people to do the same as well. But a lot of what we do is important that it hinges on the reality of your personal conversation with God, that that not only is God listening to you, but you're listening to God to be able to implement the things that they tell you. And in this world, we know that listening is not a uh, attribute that is taught, that is programmed into people. The, the opposite is, is that, well, I'm just going to hear you until you say something that I want to respond to. And then I'm thinking about my response, waiting for you to stop so I can just tell you where you're wrong. Well, that's not listening. You know, and we've talked about this before. Listening goes to reading. You know, you could post a sign in a in a store and it's for people to uh, know what's going on or what's happening. And inevitably, nobody reads the sign very well. I won't say nobody. Very few people actually will read the signs and then they'll come back later on. And they'll ask a question about what's right there in front of their face because we're programmed to just get what you want, when you want it, how you want it. And don't worry about the rest instead of no. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to read. I'm going to see, and I'm going to find the information that's necessary for my faith journey with God. And the Bible tells you everything you need for faith, and it tells you enough. Now, you definitely want to get to the place where you're getting the Word of God, because the Bible is the, it's the written word of God, but you want to get to a place where you have back and forth personal conversation with Yah so that they can tell you and you can get the information necessary to make the changes in your life that you need. So Sean, you, um, uh, I'll turn it over to you for a little bit and see what's on your mind with this aspect. Certainly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start with, the hearing and the listening part and I had a thought come to mind about this and you've seen this before let's put it to the world with a celebrity taylor swift nascar driver nfl player they're going to the stadium they're going through the crowd and there's just people screaming hey taylor taylor hey hey over here and they're hearing the people but you'll see sometimes that they'll catch somebody they know and they'll look over and Hey, and then the celebrity will go over and engage with security or something like that and have a conversation. And I had the word engage come to mind that like right now, Phil, you could be hearing me right now, or you could be listening and listening involves you actively engaging in what the person is saying. You're really looking to understand where the person is coming from that if you, you mentioned a sign and the sign says warning military installation, don't come any further. Well, I don't need that. Cause I'm just going to go here wherever I want, but wait a minute, let me, let me listen to what the sign says. Warning. Oh, so if I even cross this line, 
then I'm going to get a fine. I'm going to be a rut. Well, I'm not doing that. I'm, I agree with that, that I don't belong here. So I'm not going to go there where you're listening to the sign. And so many times in our life, we're not listening for the signs. We just, we want what we want. And you spoke about Yah being that Janie actually had that thought reading what the topic we're going to be talking about is people look at God like a genie. But think about that. You go to a genie in movies or stories, and the genie gives exactly what you want. Yah will give you what you ask for. Yah will give according to truth and their way. What happens for us at times is that we ask God for something, and we assume that they're going to answer in a way that we want, and they don't. And then what happens a majority of the time? Yah gets the blame for something not going the way that you want it when, what did you ask for, first of all? Did you understand what you were asking for or not? Or you just assume that God would just do this. And I'll go back to what you said about the healing. God, I want you to heal this person. Well, Yah knows that healing somebody physically is just going to give an opportunity to live longer, an opportunity to seek with all their heart. So Yah has the ability to heal a person physically, but like you said, what is the ultimate goal? Because eternity is in question here. What difference does it make if somebody is healed physically and they have sin in their heart and they depart this life and they stand before Yah in judgment? And because they didn't find the way to get away from sin, then Messiah will say, get away from me. You practice lawlessness. So what good is it going to be if somebody's walking around healed of, let's say, cancer or some disease? But it is functional if the person finds true faith in God. But if they don't, the healing, what does it matter? And you spoke correctly with Messiah that his healing, the healings that he did was to give evidence that I am the son of God, because if God was not with me, then like you said with Nicodemus, there's no way that these things could be done unless God was with him, which Yah was with Messiah. So it's to show that this is Yah's work to get you to turn to God, to help me out of this condition that I have with sin, save me from this body of death. I even find this in my life, walking around, being out and about, that you hear a lot of things. And something may get your attention and you start listening and you say, well, that's not true. Or well, I'm not paying any attention to that. That has nothing to do with God. I'm not, I'm not looking at that. The Word of God has a lot to say about this. Who was Messiah talking to when he gave this teaching about ask? And you'll receive, seek, and you'll find, knock, and the door will be open. He was talking to his disciples. And from looking at the truth of it, people were around, but he's talking to his disciples, those that are coming to him, that want to know the ways of God, want to be obedient to God, that he's teaching that when you ask God, and you do it from an aspect like you'd brought out with seeking with all your heart, that when you ask and you seek and you knock, 
the door will be open, but in order for that to happen, there are stipulations that follow within that. In the word in James, it says, you ask, but you do not receive because you ask for your own pleasure or your own selfish motives. So we've got another key, as we talked about before, the keys to the kingdom. If you're asking with the selfish motive, you're not going to receive. Ask in a motive that doesn't remove self, but what's the will of God in this? Is this the will of God? Is this pleasing to God that I'm asking this? So there's another key. In the word, it says you fight and you quarrel. You don't get what you want because you want to spend that on your selfish pleasure. So when we go to God and ask, do we really want to know the answer? Do we really want to understand what's going on here? A lot of people, when they have somebody that's in the hospital or somebody that they want healed, are they really thinking about it from what's the absolute best for this person? What's the best for you in this situation? Or is it just, are you asking for a selfish motive? Well, I want this person to be healed so that my life can be easier so that we can just get past this difficulty. What are you asking for? Cause this is an important thing because when we go to God and ask for things and seek and knock, it should be for things that line up with their will that are true, not just for us just to get what we want. And I, and we talked about here recently about being convinced of something and knowing something, which knowing means you have the proof of it, that I know this for sure, that my wife asked, yeah, many years ago about my daughter's, who my daughter's teacher was going to be for a certain grade for the next year. And Yah told my wife, I'm not your personal secretary, which they're not. They are not someone that you just go to and just ask them and they just give you whatever you want. No, because faith in God, the journey of this is for us to have a mindset change. This is, it's not about what I want. It's about what Yah wants and what's pleasing to them. And the more and more we learn and grow, we should be asking God for things that are pleasing to them that line up according to our to their will. But then as we grow, our will will change to us applying the truth of God that becomes our will as well, that our will lines up with the will of God. Because how many times do people go to God in prayer and you just ask for things and you ask for things as I've done this is you're just, you're just asking God and asking God and Am I really listening to myself as I talk to God? Is this the way that I would want to be talked to? There's just so many things with this, but Yah gives us information on how to speak with them and to ask for things because it's not that we don't ask for things because in the near the same scripture of this, the ask seeking and knock is Messiah says, if somebody asks for, ask their, um, someone for bread, will they give them a stone or, you know, what, what is your motive for asking what you're asking? But Yah's not just sitting up there as a genie, just waiting for you to ask them anything you want. And they just, they just want to do everything you ask according to what you want. 
no, that they are willing to give what you ask for because the word says that delight yourself in the Lord and they will give you the desires of your heart. But the key is, is to delight yourself in the Lord, which means if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, your mindset is I'm not going to be asking this just for me. It's because it's fair. It's just, it's appropriate. It's good for the kingdom of God. It benefits everybody. So there's a lot of information here, so many aspects of this, but I'll go back to what you said that Yah is not this teddy bear that's just, you just rub his belly and then, oh, there it is, peace and joy. And no, it's a prayer is a conversational relationship. And relating to God, then you've got to know God more and more. Like we don't know God fully yet, but we're in the process of getting to know, just like if I just meet you, I'm getting to know you. I'm knowing things about you, but I don't know you fully. But the more we converse with God and they with us, then we'll learn about each other. And through the word of God, we can learn about God and know what is pleasing to them. Then the more we do that, then when we go to them and ask for things, our requests are going to be changing because we're learning more and more about them. We realize, okay, well, this isn't pleasing to them. So I'm not going to ask them about that. Even have a, from what I remember with Moses, that Moses came to God with something and God said, don't bring that to me again. Well, if you really are going to God in the right way, then you're not going to ask that again because it's not pleasing to them for you to ask them that over and over again. So this is, I'm seeing this as it's more of understanding who God is, why they do what they do. What does it mean for God to be God? Because then when I ask, seek and knock, it'll be from an appropriate way. And the word also says that when we ask God of things, that they hear us, which really what it should say is they listen to us because we obey their commands and we do what is pleasing in their sight. So there's another key that if you want God to listen to you, then obey their commands and do what is pleasing in their sight. And certainly if you're doing that and you're asking something according to their will, they will listen. But what happens with us is, is we assume it's their will or we think it could be their will and we ask for it. And instead of knowing for sure that it is, for example, we know or we're convinced of that Yah does not want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So if you're asking God, Yah, I see this person in this bad state, give them whatever they need to have opportunity to seek with all their hearts so that they can repent to you and they can find true salvation. Well, that's something that Yah will answer because according to their will, they don't want anybody to perish. So they have the opportunity to give that person opportunity to find truth. But if you just say, God, heal them, take this pain away. Yeah, but is that the best thing for the person for the pain to be taken away? Because the pain could be the one thing or not maybe the one, but multiple things that will give the person an opportunity to seek with all their heart to know I'm leaving the pain here because that's an opportunity to drive them to cry out to me for insight and understanding and to incline their, their ear to wisdom. But we assume that, well, no, God doesn't want anybody to suffer. Well, no, the word of God says that 
No suffering at the time is pleasant, but it's grievous. However, it brings about a harvest of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So the suffering and struggle is good. It's functional to give people an opportunity to turn to God. So in a lot of this, we need to be careful not to lean on our own understanding when we ask, seek, and knock, because that's where we get into trouble, that we lean on our own understanding when we go and ask God for things, and God doesn't do it. Like you were saying with the healing, that this person asked for healing, and this person's getting out of the hospital, but I asked for healing, and the person died. So how is God fair in that, where that's not fair, because why did they get to live, and they get to die? So is God fair? And then again, we know God is fair. We're convinced that God is fair. But where does it leave the other person? And that's the thing is it's, as the word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding because that's where we get into trouble. It's we look to blame God for something, but no, don't blame God. It's what am I missing in this or something I'm either not doing correctly, something's going on. But unfortunately what happens is God gets the blame for the majority of these things where, where y'all should not be getting the blame. And again, we just have to uh, recognize that there are things that will happen that will be perceived to be miraculous signs that will be pre- performed by uh, Satan and the demons. Uh, that's spoken of in the word that in the later times that they're going to be given that power to uh, do miraculous signs to deceive the people. That's why we live in a time where we have to be really careful that we're not deceived. The There's so many different areas. Uh, I'm going to touch on one where I know for sure that I've done this, uh, asking for God, asking God for things, uh, but not really thinking about the will. And it's actually with the intention of good for somebody else but not looking to see does it line up with God. And there's been multiple times in the past, uh, probably more recent past than, well, definitely more recent past, but there have been times where uh, my wife has been sick with a cold or sick with the flu or sick, some, some sort of ailment she's coming down with. And during the night, I just roll over and put my hand on her and I would talk to God asking God to take this away from her to, uh, even if you have to give it to me, just take it away from her. But I know that my motivation in doing that was for her, uh, for her betterment, for her not to have to feel that it wasn't that this would happen so that the glory of God would be revealed. And so in those times, God didn't answer those prayers because they weren't in line with their will. And because it was about the compassion for her of feeling what she's feeling or going through what she's going through, rather than, no, God, this I want this to happen because it's going to glorify you and it's going to bring glory to your name. And... So one would be under the will of God, the other wouldn't. And it's just in a mindset and it's a programming in the lower conscience of how we pray for people, because this is how you've been taught in your life when you're taught to pray 
you're taught to pray, you know, well, you have compassion on somebody. So you pray for them or you feel bad for them or you pray for them or, you know, that they're really sick and you don't want them to die. So you pray for them instead of none of that. None of that enhances the glory of God. All it does is does favor for you, but does nothing for God. And I'm perfectly fine with the fact that God didn't answer those because there's, there's other reasons and other purposes for why God does what they do. But had I asked with a true mindset of being in the accordance with God's will and that it would show glory to them, I'm 100% convinced that that's exactly what they would have done. But the, the purpose should be for the glory of God not for the glory of man. And when we look at praying about someone who's ill, the best thing anybody can do, yes, you can pray for somebody. And yes, you line it up with the accordance with the will of God, but I absolutely do that. God gives us in the Bible an unequivocal way to make sure that we're going to have an optimal life here and in eternity. And what God does is he tells us in the word, if you walk in my ways and obey my commands, I will give you long life in the land you are going into. So when we are walking in God's ways and following his commands, walking in accordance with the law, that is what will give you the best ability for you to have the longest life possible here and then have eternal life. But it doesn't matter whether your life ends here. As long as that's locked in, you have eternal life, so it's, it's a moot point for you to die here. It doesn't matter because you have your, uh, your eternity locked in because you're doing what God said. You're listening to God. And again, this draws in the draw near to God and they will draw near to you. Well, God's not going to listen to you unless you listen to them. If you draw near to God where you're listening for them and you, I really want to know, I really want to know what the, what the truth is. And I want to figure this, I'm going to figure this out. Then God will listen to you. I, I think about Anna Ruth when she, she was broken and she cried out to God with an aspect of just show me that you're real. Show me that you exist. I've seen all this stuff in Christianity. I see where it's not true. I really want to know if you're real. And if you are, then help me on that journey. And then the next day she meets Josh at the skate park of all places uh, where she never would have intended to meet somebody of faith or somebody on the faith journey. And then because of her heart of wanting to know the truth, See, and this is the difference between people who will come to us and and go away and people who will come and be like, there's more to this. I've got to figure this out. And 
The difference is, is that they're broken in their faith. Anna Ruth was broken in her faith, meaning that she was broken. She knew that Christianity was broken. She knew that in her mind, and therefore that opened her up to be seeking to find God. Somebody who is confident in their faith, who hasn't been broken in their faith, whether it's Christianity, Islam, uh, Hindu, it doesn't matter which religion it is, but if you're not broken in that, you're not recognizing that there's a problem and something needs to change, then this isn't for you because you're not going to be able to accept the truth of God if you're already locked into believing the lie. And so there is an importance of draw near to God and they will draw near to you. And we've said this before, in the way you draw near to God, that's how they will draw near to you. If you draw near to God in repentance, then God's going to repent to you. You turn to God, God's going to turn to you. You obey God, God's going to obey you. You trust God, God's going to trust you. But you have to make the steps first. This aspect of, oh, well, God just came to me out of the blue and did all this, and I wasn't even seeking for him. No, no, no. There's enough things in the world that are telling you the existence of God. But you have to approach God first. It's it's scriptural. It's the word of God that you draw near to God, then God will draw near to you. That's the reality and the truth of it. And we want to be asking things in accordance with the will of God, like you had uh, brought out, that is this going to bring glory to God? If not, then it's a moot point. It doesn't matter because why would I want something to happen if it's not going to bring glory to God? if I'm just going to gain something from it. And so it is really important as we look at this that in a conversational relationship with God, if you want to be heard, if you want God to listen to you, then listen to God. And somebody might say, well, I don't know. I don't know the voice. I haven't heard the voice. That's the beauty part of the Bible read the Bible and listen to what it says. Because like we've talked about the Old Testament, if you listen to it, it tells you that God's a terrorist, that God is a terrorist and you don't want to be on the terror side of God. You want to be on the friend side. And so walk in my ways and follow my commands. You want to be on the friend side, walk in my ways and follow my commands. And then it will go well with you in the land I am taking you into. And you will have long life in the land I'm taking you into. And so instead of worrying about how much you weigh, what kind of food you eat, what kind of uh, uh, chemical stuff that you're going to cut out of your life in, in deodorants or in soaps or whatever it is, the Bible says nothing about that for preservation of life. If you want to be the healthiest you can be, to live the longest you can possibly live in accordance with the will of God, then walk in his ways and follow his commands, and it will go well with you. 
I mean, think about it. How much money is made over diets? And how much money is made over the holistic stuff of the, you know, the, the, the soaps that don't have specific chemicals that they say in it or uh, don't eat meat or just tons of different things that people are selling for people to have health. And that doesn't make you healthy. Just because you eat or you don't eat something, it doesn't make you healthy. What makes you healthy is walk in the ways of God. Be convinced of the things of God. Be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt of the things of God. And ask God things according to their will. I had a a brother of mine who was in the hospital, and it was one of those, you know, he was busted up really bad all over the place. It was questionable whether he was going to live. And here goes out the, the plea for prayers and pray for this and pray for that and pray for this and pray for that. And you ask me to pray, I'm going to pray, but you're not going to tell me how to pray. I choose how I'm going to pray. You're not going to tell me, well, pray for this healing and pray for that healing and pray. No, my prayer was, God, if he doesn't have salvation, which I'm pretty sure he doesn't, he, it's a, he's a professing Christian, but if he doesn't have salvation, spare his life for this purpose so that if nothing else, he gets one more opportunity to find your truth, and he spared the torment of that holding place before going to hell. That's my my request to God, and I only asked it once. I don't don't need to ask it over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm not begging God. I'm asking God, and he's coming around. Huh? Is that because of what I prayed? I, I'm not going to say it is. But you see a lot of posts of, well, yeah, he, he's, uh, praise God because he's getting better here and praise God because of this and praise God, all these prayers of this. But would you be praising God if it was going the other direction? That, that would be my question. Uh, because more than likely, you wouldn't be praising God, you'd be blaming God, meaning that, well, God has a plan and this is God's plan. And people, they don't even realize consciously that they're blaming God in that. So one side, when things are going favorable for me, how I want them to go, then it's a blessing and God's showing favor. But if it goes the other way, then, well, it's the plan. It's God's plan. I know I have the plan, a plan for you and it plans to uh, prosper you and not to harm you plans for a hope and a future. And so in that, they don't even realize that they're blaming God from that perspective. And it's a shame because we want to have a personal up close relationship with God that not only are we seeing and hearing through their word, but we actually get communication back and forth with them. And the only way to do that is we have to cultivate that. We have to talk to them with an expectation they're going to talk back. But we have to spend time where we listen for them to talk back. It, because we've been taught that prayer is you just rattle off a whole list of a, a whole genie list of what you want 
and amen, and never give any time in the midst to pause and listen for a voice to ask one question and pause and listen. And you know what? I'm not going to ask another thing or I'm not going to speak another thing until I hear the voice of God. I'm going to, I'm going to put that same question out there and I'm just going to listen. And sometimes a thought will come to mind and you'll think that maybe that came from yourself, which is fine. It's part of the process. I understand that. But you finally get to the point where you recognize that, well, God will speak to you verbally, but to also speak to you through the extrasensory perceptions that you have through your senses uh, as well. And so God communicates in many different ways. The, the Bible is there, just like we've talked about in previous podcasts, that the Bible is there for the unbeliever, that it's there for those who are seeking out to figure out who God is. But when you have faith in God, we don't discard the Bible. We still use it as a reference point, but we have mother within us who speaks directly to us. And we have that direction uh, and the connection to the Father and Messiah as well, that if we just ask specifically them questions, they will answer if you're listening and you have to tune it in so that you can hear. So it's really important that, yes, you can ask and you can seek and you can knock. But with scripture like you've talked about, without it being in accordance with the will of God, what is it going to be in accordance with? Right, your own selfishness. It's going to be what you want, what you desire, what's going to bring glory to you rather than what God wants, what they desire, what's going to bring glory to them. And whenever we have conversational relationship with God, our objective goal should be to try to bring glory to them. You know when we do that, when we bring glory to God through prayer, God brings glory to us through prayer. It works when you do what the word says, when you uh, cry out for insight, cry out for understanding, seek as though you're seeking for hidden treasure, you will gain the knowledge of the Lord. That's the word of God telling you exactly what you need for salvation. Because if you do that in a circular pattern where you never stop, you will find God. Seek for me and you will find me when you seek for me with all of your heart in that circular perspective. Phil, have you ever thought about this, which referred to in the Bible as the Lord's Prayer? Should not be a spoken prayer, and I'll, I'll explain. I'm not saying that you don't speak that, because we'll speak that to, if somebody says, well, what is what did Messiah say to the disciples, and we have evidence that this is what he said. But what came to mind was when you were speaking about this is, should it say the Lord's mindset or our mindset in conversation with God? Because think about it. With his words, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. So you're going to God 
with the mindset of they are holy, they are pure, they are set apart, father and mother, you're holy, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you're already focusing on their will. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, I'm not looking for what I want. Give me what I need for this day from you. Give me what I need to sustain my life. And then he goes on to forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, meaning you forgive somebody that's wronged you because you're walking in repentance to God. You've turned to God. Lead us not to the place where we can be tempted, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But as you were talking, I was saying about that, that draw near to God and they draw near to you that Messiah wasn't saying, okay, disciples, whenever you talk to God, this is the prayer because you've, we've experienced this. Have you ever done, had this feel? All right, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer. And it's just, you just hear that cadence and, and people just say it. And then you, all right, that's the Lord's Prayer. And just made me think of, he's teaching them, no, when you talk to mother and father, this is the mindset that you have. Realize who they are. They're not a puppet on a string. They're the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. They're eternal. They're perfected. Realize who you're talking to. Have the humility to my Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. And you could just stop there and just think about that. You're in the presence of God, even where Moses was with God, standing with God. Take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. Well, realize who you're in the presence of, who you are asking and knocking for. And it's just coming to mind, just meditate, resonate on that before you even open your mouth as how am I, what is my mindset going to God in this? Am I just wanting, just give me the quick, as is in this world, the, give me the quick service of give me what I want. And that's the end of it. Or no, it's, it's a relationship and it's a mindset that, I mean, think about it. He's saying that, Hey, forgive us of what we've done against you as we Forgive those because Yeshua was walking in the will of his father that if you don't forgive others, your father in heaven will not forgive you. So he's going in line with the truth that make sure that if, if you've sinned against God with where they were at that time, that their sins would be forgiven if they're walking in repentance, that forgive people as of their debts because you've done this against God and everything most has come into mind with the asking, seeking, and knocking, that that has been taken and twisted as to the Lord's Prayer is something that you just say in a gathering or a church. And what Messiah is teaching is, no, this is a, because they ask him, you know, help us. How do we, how do we talk to the Father we, and communicate? Well, this is the mindset for communication. And it just came to mind to, to speak that because I know from my past that you, you think that this is, Messiah, which he was speaking to God, but he's teaching them how to talk with God. Realize who you're talking to. It's just like you want to go and talk talk to somebody, and somebody say, "Be careful who you're talking to, because they're they got a quick temper." Or j- just realize who you're going in to talk to before you do it, because it, it's not going to go well for you. So just realize who you're you're dealing with here, and just giving us a model for conversation with God. Right. So in that model, was it really talking to God? 
when when he was going over that with the disciples, was he really talking to God? And the reason I bring that up is because it's a model. He was. He was. Well, he was. I see. I'm just go ahead and speak. I'm just thinking about that that statement. He was speaking. Who he was speaking to was the disciples. And I'm giving you a description of I'm giving you the things to put in your prayer. But if you want to see the prayer of Messiah, go to John chapter. I think it's John chapter 15 where he's in the garden and he prays for the disciples. He prays for himself. He prays for all the believers. You want to see Messiah pray. And if you want to, you want to mod, if, if you were going to model anything, you would model what he was saying in John 15. I'm not advocating that you do that because again, that's just another example. Yes. In that situation in John, he was, uh, he was truly talking to God, pouring out his heart and he wasn't going through the breakdown, but in, if you follow his, his prayers that he, he implements what he was teaching them in his prayers. And they had more, they were more privy to hear him pray uh, more often than what we get, what we see in the Bible. But there, there are places where you use, you can use somebody else's prayer as a model, but don't use it as a mantra, just like, the our father that it's it's a mantra it's something that you gets programmed into you and at the right time in this in specific uh churches that at the right time you just automatically go right into it like you said uh reciting what he was telling them the model for prayer was thinking that that's a prayer and it wasn't even a prayer at all he was just giving a description to the disciples of hey Acknowledge God in heaven, acknowledge the holiness of God, and go through these steps as you're uh, conversing with them. Don't don't just make it about what you want. Go and uh, make it personal to God. Let God know that you know who they are, what they're about, what they're for. And we have another example of a prayer prayed that is used as a mantra, uh, which is the prayer of Jabez. And that's one that pops up. I believe it's in Chronicles. It's just one of those you read along and read along, read along, and then it stops for a moment on Jabez and the prayer he prayed. And people, somebody turned it into a book and were, you know, well, if you pray this prayer over and over and over and over again, then God will do it. No, that was the prayer of Jabez. Now, if you think that the prayer of Jabez was a good prayer, a good thing for him to ask God for, then you personalize it to yourself. You don't mimic what he said. You, you think about the concepts. He asked for an expansion of his territory. Well, I've asked for God with that, with the expansion of territory in the uh, ministry perspective that, well, we have the podcast because God has expanded our territory. I don't know what we're going to do next or where we're going to be, uh, but I want God to continue to expand. As long as I live here on this plane of the earth, then I want God to continually expand the territory that we have, but I'm not going to sit there and 
uh, repeat the prayer of Jabez. That was Jabez's prayer. That was between Jabez and God. I need to make my prayers personal between me and God, not just using, it's, it's kind of like you're trying to use somebody else's faith for getting something, thinking that somebody else, they're going to give you the favor from God by you doing what they did. And no, by you having the same mindset that they have, the same confidence in God's answering of prayers, then you'll have the opportunity to receive whatever you ask for. And again, we want to be careful. We want to watch. And we should really do an evaluation beforehand. Because think about it. The people in these hospitals and just all over that want prayers for somebody's healing, are they honestly wanting that healing so that God will be glorified? Or are they wanting that healing so that, well, my partner will be still with me? Because we've said this before, that the reality is that if you don't have the true full faith in God, you, your heart is full of selfishness, and you don't even realize it. You don't do it with intention, but not intention in your mind. Sometimes people do, but most people have the intention in their heart for selfishness, but your heart is your subconscious and that's below the surface. So you don't consciously see it. You think you're doing something good for somebody else, but in reality, you're not doing good for them. You're doing good for yourself because you get some sort of benefit. There's nothing in this world that a person does that is without reason. Now they may not consciously know the reason. But subconsciously, there's a reason that's programmed into them as to why you reacted the way you did or why you responded the way you did or, you know, why something made you upset or why something made you happy. There's always a reason. Nothing is just random. There's a reason whether you can put your finger on it because, you know, people talk about, you know, well, that was random, you know, because somebody just out of the blue they come up with something and it's like, no, there's something in their lower conscience that brought that to mind. Maybe something that was said in a different conversation just triggered a memory. And because that memory was triggered, you brought it out. Doesn't mean it's not appropriate, but that's the, uh, that, that's one of the realities of the faith in God is that we're continually seeking to have conversation with God the way that is humble and respectful to them. So in that, God will return that to us, but we have to do it first. And it's like, if God asks us to do something, are we going to do it? You know, because God may ask you to do something. You're like, nah, I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, then you turn around and you ask God for something. What's he going to say? I'm not sure. Seek. Is God going to seek you out if you're not seeking them out? Is God going to knock on your door if you're not knocking on their door? 
No, and that's the whole purpose of the scripture is to let you know what's necessary. Even from the Old Testament, it's necessary for you to recognize God as a terrorist so that you can find that place of peace with God. You follow his commands, walk in his ways, and you will be able to be in the presence of the terrorist without fear endlessly as long as you don't turn your back on the terrorist you're fine. You have to see God as a terror first, but we live in a day where people think that it's all fluff, that God's going to do what you ask him to do because they're a genie. And if they don't, well, then it's God's fault because it's his plan. He, he planned it all out. And no, no, his plans are that you walk in his ways and follow his commands and then you will have no harm. Should we be praying at God or praying with God? I just had this thought, just a, a question to ponder, not just asking you, but to those listening, because are we speaking at each other or are we speaking with each other? And there's a, there's a big difference because I know this from my past that when you're just talking and talking and talking at God, that you you got this big list of stuff and God can't even respond. You're not talking with God. You're talking at God. And I agree with what you said and verified this with Yah that they want us to talk with them, which means to be with them, meaning a conversational relationship, not a, Oh God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Give us this, give us that. If it's in your will, do this. And you're just talking at them. And you have no mindset because how many people have the mindset for God to talk back to them? Well, no, you, you go to God, they know what you're thinking and they know all this other stuff and, and they'll answer. No, we should have the mindset that I'm going to, <clears throat> and I'm talking to those that are seeking with all their heart that really want to know the truth, that the mindset should be, I'm going to talk with God and not at God anymore because God is not a puppet on a string. They're not a, a genie in a bottle. They're not, a big stone pillar that you just talk at and just throw everything at them. It's they're a living being and they want to have relationship with their people. So we should have the mindset that we're going to relate to them. Well, the best way to relate to them is look in the Bible, seek with all their heart. Let me know and be convinced of what they do so that I can relate to them that they hate sin. Well, then therefore I'm going to hate sin. I'm going to figure out how to get away from it. They, one obedience. Well, that's, I can relate that. And because when we do that, then we start drawing near to them. <clears throat> and Phil, I got this concept just meditating here. They ask the seek and the knock is in all three aspects of the gospel message. Repentance, obedience, and trust in God entails asking, seeking, and knocking in all three aspects. Because you ask, you seek, and you knock, you come to repentance towards Abba that the door is open and you see God as a terror and you realize their ways and you walk in that repentance towards them. And then the door is open for you to then go for Abba to bring you to Yeshua Messiah. And then the same process of ask, seeking, and knocking, because we even have a scripture where Messiah says, I stand at the door and knock. And the one that opens the door that I'll come in. And then 
with mother, you have the same thing. Ask, seek and knock that you're knocking on the door and you're waiting for the answer. You're trusting in God Well, you keep knocking on the door and you're waiting for that answer. And then even ultimately with when the door is open, then you can have circumcision of the heart. And then really when you ask, seek and knock with all three, then the door is open to you. The kingdom of heaven, the door is open for you that you can come in and eat with them and talk with them and communicate. So even with the gospel message, this aspect is, is with prayer, but ask, seek and knock is in repentance. Ask, seek and knock is in obedience. It's in trust. It's in the, this isn't just a exclusively just for prayer or communication. It's in, you have to continually ask, seek and knock throughout the whole journey and even continuing that's the premise of seeking with all your heart is you're always asking and seeking and knocking and doors are being open to you because you, you've, I'm sure you've heard this in the world that, well, God shuts one door and opens the other. Well, how many doors do you shut on God to where God is there, but you've shut the door on God and God can't do anything because you've shut the door on them. And yeah, God opens a door and shuts another. Yeah. But is that really what God did? Or is that your assumption or your own understanding that you think God is doing something or not doing something, be sure that you have verified to know what is actually going on here. But if people may say, well, I didn't understand what it was to have faith in God is, yeah, you did, because this aspect of ass seeking and knocking is in your whole life. And you may not recognize it, but you can't live life without ass seeking and knocking, even if you're in faith in God or not, you can't get away from it. Well, you go to look for a job. You you ask somebody, hey, I'm looking for a job. Do you know anybody that's hiring? Okay, you ask. Yeah, I heard this place and this place and this place are hiring. You go fill out applications. You seek. Or you go to the place you seek. You fill out the application. You knock. I was also seeing this unfold in the gospel message as pertains to also uh, Abba, Yahusha, and Mother in the ask, seek, and knock. So you're asking with Abba is you're asking for mercy because you recognize who you are and your repentance to, to Abba uh, is you're asking. And then <clears throat> he brings you to Messiah. Well, if he brings you to Messiah, now you're seeking to be pleasing to God because, well, he gave me this opportunity, so I'm seeking to be pleasing to God in the process. And then after you're seeking, then Messiah says, okay, here's the door, knock on the door. And the door is the uh, trust aspect that Messiah says, here I stand at the door. That means that you have to get from ask, seek, to knock in order to be in him. And when you're in him, then mother enters into your heart. And so I was just seeing, as you were talking about that, yes, you ask, seek and knock with Abba, cause you have to ask, is God real? You have to seek it out with all of your heart. And then you have to knock on the door. Yeah. Will you let me in? I, I know you're a terrorist, but I really want to be on your side. Will you let me in? Okay. And so I see it that you can ask, seek, and knock in each step, but I also see a bigger, broader picture of ask with Abba, seek with Messiah, knock with the trust, and then the door will be open to you. And that's why Messiah said, uh, 
here I stand at the door and knock because you have to get to the door. You're not going to get to the door if you don't seek it out. You're not going to seek it out if you don't ask for where it is <clears throat> in order to be able to uh, to get it. And so it, that was just another aspect that uh, came to mind when you were talking about that. Let me just ask you this. and. <clears throat> Just from your mindset, and, and if this comes to mind or if not, you can answer it later if we're not on the podcast. But when when you hear that scripture, I stand at the door and knock, like, what do you see visually in your mind of that? Because I had a different, I'm seeing like a picture that I had and I'm getting a different, just more understanding, just like, what do you see in your mind when Messiah says that? Just like as a visual, like what comes to mind to you with that? Like when he says, I stand at the door and knock, like, I'll, I'll share first what I'm what I'm getting at that I would look at it as though you're behind the door and Messiah is knocking at the door and you're on the other side and he's waiting for you to open the door. But I had a picture of mothers behind the door and a picture of Messiah is at the door. I stand at the door and knock that and you're and then the door gets open for you to actually have mother to to be in him. Like you said, I just had a different visual that like I always thought that like you're in your house and he's just knocking on your door and you open the door as opposed to he's knocking on that door where um, you, you're to the point where you're you've crucified yourself with Christ and you're now at the point where he's knocking at the door and then now you can be in me. I can come in and eat with you. I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are on that when you had that picture. Well, I mean, there's there's a ton of different directions that you could go with this. I mean, you could you could put him outside your physical house, knocking on the door. Um, you could put him, uh, really, you could put him just about anywhere. You could put him on the cross. That here I here I stand at the door. That you crucify yourself with me. The veil is torn. The door is open for you. You get to enter in to that kingdom uh, and glory. So, I mean, there's if if you stop for a minute and you think about it, Messiah standing at the door. The reality is, is you have to get to the door. Just like anybody who would want to offer a sacrifice to God had to get to the door to the entrance to the tent of meeting. That the entrance to the tent of meeting is the. Uh, the door. You have to get to that door and you have to enter through that door. You can't climb over somewhere else. You have to enter through that door. And then the same thing you ask, you seek, and then you get to that door, you knock, you go into the courtyard. Then to get into the holy place, you ask, you seek, you knock, you get into the holy place. Then to get in the most holy place, you ask, you seek, you knock. It's a, And again, just pulling in the aspects, and you could break it back down to the uh, asking being at the the entrance to the courtyard, the seeking being at the entrance to the holy place, and then the uh, knocking being the entrance to the most holy place. And the only way to get into that most holy place <clears throat> is through the Ark of the Covenant. And Messiah is the representation and is the true Ark of the Covenant, so that by our faith in him, we get access through that door, that he is the door. It's not that he just stands at the door. He is the door as well. And so just with that question, and I'm sure that there's, if we think about it more, that there's a lot more that could come out of that from that perspective. 
well and then and it was as a socratic just a it's just a neat uh, concept but what what just came to me for this was is that when you get to the point of where you've died to your selfishness you've crucified yourself with christ you're at the point of circumcision of the heart that it's they're referring to the heart which is sin is taken out of your lower conscience and put into the body of flesh to where now he can enter into your heart to where i come in to where he's in you you are in him to where now you're in messiah now i can come and eat with you like you're in the in what the tabernacle picture that you go behind the holy place that the curtain is torn to where now the curtain is lifted where now he comes in you're in the holy place and the most holy place with abba and yeshua that now we will come in and eat together the showbread and and speak to each other and so i'm just seeing as a picture of you're in the the holy place where you can talk to god face to face now that now i've come in and i'm in you you're in me you remain in me i remain in you and then now we have we live together now just as a bigger uh, picture of that aspect that i'm standing at the door and because you're in that position now i can come in and dwell with you now and not just with me but my mother and father as well right but as long as, because we could correlate this as well to the heart, yep. that you have a door to your heart. And God says, what does God say to Cain? Sin is crouching at your door. Okay, so as long as sin is at your door, okay, Messiah can't knock on the door. Now, you're... You're moving, meaning, well, he does knock on the door prior to that. The, that sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. <clears throat> well, how do you master it? By answering the door. See, I see it as sin is the blockade on the inside of the door that stops you from being able to hear and let Messiah in. That uh, sin, the sin nature is that... Uh, blockage on the door here i uh, or not here i stand at the door but they um sin is crouching at your door and the only way for you to be able to get past that for you to be able to open that door is you have to have that circumcision of the heart done by mother done by the hands of the spirit where the sinful nature of that rock is taken off of your heart now the door is available to be open the sinful nature placed in the flesh so now Messiah knocks on the door, you open the door, he comes in and he dwells with you. But until the sinful nature is removed, you cannot, you cannot be in Messiah. And this is why we say the uh, importance of finding a place where there is no sin, just like the Bible says. And if you haven't found that place yet, don't give up. Just know that God promises that in the Bible and you just have to seek it out until you find it. You want to seek until you find what it is you're looking for. And even if it takes you till your last breath in this life, then it takes you to your last breath. You're never going to give up. You're never going to stop because you truly want to know the truth of God. And so it, it is uh, very interesting to see that Messiah stands at the door, but 
the sin nature also is at the door. And again, we've talked about this before. You can circumcise your mind, your conscious mind, to where you, your mind is absolutely set that you're not going to sin and you don't agree with it, you'll never agree with it, and you'll fight it till the day you die. Well, when you do that, you've done what God asked the Israelites to do, circumcise your hearts. Well, that's okay. Your heart is your mind, your your conscious mind. And then the other circumcision of the heart that speaks about in the New Testament, where it's the removal of the sinful nature, that can only be done by the hands of mother taking that sinful nature away. But the beautiful part is, is that it's placed in the flesh. So you still have a thorn in the flesh, but it's taken out of your heart and sin is of the heart. So you no longer have sin in your heart. Therefore, you have the ability now to master sin. Like God told Cain, sin is crouching at your door. You must master it. How do you master it? By opening the door when Messiah knocks so that you enter in. It's really Messiah will, he'll come in. He says, I'll come in. Well, what that does is that when he comes in, you actually enter into him. And when you enter into him, then you get mother in your heart. And therefore you have no more sin and you're able to uh, have a good, healthy uh, relationship with God in the journey uh, of faith. And these are things that we want people to make sure that they are convinced of. Make sure you're convinced. If, if there's any doubt at all, you set your mind to seek out that you're going to settle that doubt when it comes pertains to your faith. You might have doubt whether God might do something or not, but don't have doubt about your faith. And if there are doubts, then you just keep working it out until you've worked out your salvation with fear and trembling, until you have that circumcision of the heart, the sinful nature removed. And then what that does is when the sinful nature is removed from your subconscious and placed in the body of flesh, you have a clear conscience, okay? Because your subconscious is just below the surface with knowledge that you sin. Well, now that sin nature is taken out of there. So sin is taken out of your heart, sin being of the heart. Now you don't sin anymore, which means that your conscience is in your heart with conscience means with knowledge. So now you have a good conscience and you're able to have a pledge of a good conscience, like it says in Peter, and you have a clear conscience. You, you have thorns in the flesh, but I, but you do not sin and you will know that by being in that place and you don't stop until you find that place. Because not because we say it, but because it's in the word of God and through communi communication with God, God will uh, make it clear that it's there and that you need for these things. And, and I'll make the statement, Phil, that you are in the process of knowing me, but you don't know me fully. Okay. And when I say this, this is not <laughs> intended to be funny. When you come home or Cindy comes home or let's say Jacob or Andrew or Tori, do they knock on the door here before they come in? No. As a matter of fact, anybody who knows us, who, who, or not fully known, obviously, but anybody who knows us well 
knows that they just can just come and walk in that that it's okay so well and i just had that visual come to mind because once you enter into messiah he's the door that you don't knock on the door every time that all right well i gotta make sure i knock on the and i just thought about this with prayer that i didn't even realize this but it's like you you get to the door and it's like well i gotta knock on the door and make sure that everything is this or that and no just don't barge in just like with the prayer that speaking with God, don't barge in. Like, I'm just going to talk to God and do what I'm just busting to Phil's house because he knows me and no, I'll come in and I'll, I'll open the door and come in and shut the door quietly and go in and out. And it just made me think because it's home for you and for God to where that's the, one of the reasons for Messiah's work is because there was a enmity, there was a separation from God because of sin. And now in me, you're reconciled to God where you're a part of the family. You're no longer a slave, but a son or daughter and the son or daughter belongs in the house and you don't need to knock on your door. Now I may, if I come over here, let's just say early in the morning and you're not expecting me, I may come up and I don't know if you really have a front door necessarily, but if I came up and I just did like a little knock to get You'd probably be like, Sean, you don't need to knock, just come on in and, and for sure here now I wouldn't I wouldn't knock, but it's more of a courtesy. But the the thing that was coming to mind with it is once you're in the household, which means you're a child of God and the children of God don't sin, that you can go boldly before the throne of grace, meaning you have the ability just to open the door and walk in and talk to God, have a meal. You don't have to sit there and knock and go through the whole security and and that's the thing is people think that they can just go to God and just and walk in and we'll just have this conversation. And we were talking recently about the movie, The Godfather, where not anybody was going to walk in to talk to the Don. You're not going to go in and just talk and do whatever you want. You had to get permission. And then even when you went in, be careful how you speak to him and in the manner you speak to him, because Yah is a sacred family. And like we said at the beginning that they hear people, but you have to fall in line with the circumstances to be able to be listened to by God. And same thing as that, if, if you're coming to them with a legitimate reason, something that's fair and just that I'll listen to you on this and how we can be convinced of this is the word of God says it. Remember when Messiah said, no longer will you come to me and then I'll go to the father that because before, when you asked that it would have to come through me as the advocate, but now you can ask, seek and knock directly with Yah and you can talk to them face to face. Well, face to face in a, a spiritual aspect that you're looking and seeking with them. Now seeing them face to face, we would die if it was in the fullness of it, but in the end we will see them face to face. But it just, there's a process that if you want to be listened to by God, just like we said that, you have to be willing to listen to God first before they'll listen to you. You have to be willing to seek them with all your heart because they're not going to listen to somebody that doesn't have faith. And the way we're convinced of that is because the word says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, how many people do you know that you're going to listen to that you're not pleased with? And you may listen to somebody that in the moment you're not pleased with them, but the majority of people that you really listen to are people that 
are in the same faith that you have, the faith in God or, or whatever, other people that are talking nonsense, I'm not listening to that. You can scream and yell all you want on, on whatever you want to talk about. But the focus of this, the podcast that Yah has brought here is seeking the truth of God and wanting to walk in their ways. And it's very important that we know, well, very important that we're convinced and that we're knowing in part that what Yah's ways are so that we can be convinced that Yah is listening to us instead of just guessing is Yah listening to us or not. Well, and if you weigh the evidence that God, the trail of evidence that God has laid behind and you accept the evidence that God has laid, then you'll be convinced, but you have to be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. But Sean, I think this is a, a good stopping point. We've, we could go on for hours and hours on each topic we get, but uh, I think we hit some really good points. Now I know we did, but we hit some really good points and mother just giving a lot of good information out for those who are seeking with all of their heart. Um, just want to thank those that listened in today, uh, Cindy and OBM that I uh, just hope that God blesses you in this life, that you seek God with all of your heart, that you're finding God and that you have that circumcision of the heart and we'll see you in the kingdom. So I just, I, uh, for us, for now, we want to head out and we will be back Lord willing on Tuesday evening at 7.30 to see what Yah has in store for the next podcast. Have a good evening or a good morning, that would be, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.